derived from the leaves of the coca plant. When cocaine enters the body, it has a strong effect on body function by acting as an imp on the brain. Large overdose of cocaine causes convulsions, then death. Cocaine causes unusual and often unpredictable feelings and actions. In his ignorance, Marty took that dare, little knowing the eventual horror that lay in the deadly white powder. Marty, have you seen the pinking shears I bought last week? Can't seem to find them anywhere. Marty, you don't see right. I'm worried about you. There's something wrong. I'm going to take you down to Dr. Peter's this afternoon for a check on Good evening, good evening. Bridge Sky here. Sunday evening live. I got my handy dandy co-host with me tonight. I'm so excited. Probably my favorite co-host ever. She has committed, at least for now, to be my regular uh, monthly. This is a special edition night. Risky relationships. It's a hot topic. Yes. And I hope I didn't offend anybody with the post. <laughs> so, uh Yes, why don't you go ahead and say hello and how you're doing, and then I'm going to read the post. I don't know if you read the post yet. No, actually, I have not. Um, anyway, thank you for inviting me and having me on here. Uh, Sarah, for those of you who recognize my voice and for those who don't, I have been in a few shows. Yes. Before even the, you've been my fill-in safe person. <laughs> <laughs> Tend to be, yes. Um, but yeah, coming unprepared. So if I have a moment of silence, just... Bear, Bear with, with me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, Sarah, the, the post tonight. So I asked you, because I like to switch back and forth. You, I pick a topic, you pick a topic. And uh, last week or last month, we did the rebound. That was mine. Rebound in relationships. I see that a lot. Well, I asked you just on a whim, like, what would you want to talk about? You're like, what about those couples that just literally cling to each other? They can't go anywhere without each other. They have to, all their decisions they got to make with each other. Like, I thought that was beautiful. So, of course, that gave me an idea to do a lot of research. And what I came up with, here's the post. <clears throat> All right. So, this is Kiss Recovery 101. First time listening, Kiss is keep it simple, stupid. Recovery 101, just the basics of whatever we talk about. I like simple concepts and just down to earth. I am not no certified licensed anything when it comes to psychology. or, But I've been in recovery for quite some time. I had 17 years Sarah, I was in and out of the rooms myself, uh, but I just got three years of first time ever consistent, real, authentic recovery. And it is a, it's a simple program. Some of the programs I've been in, they ain't easy, say, because I was always in the way. <laughs> okay, 
So special risky relationships, clingy codependent couples. What happens when two codependents in recovery get in a relationship? It's obvious to everyone around them that it's unhealthy. They both want the relationship because they lack self-love. Have you seen a friend or a family member get in relationships and shut everyone out? Moving from one addiction to another is common in recovery. But what if the obsession, I would say cravings, yeah. all that triggers, all that um, is actually the, another person. So what's the warning signs of this chaotic clingy storm? And what can someone do rather than sit back and wait for the aftermath? And anyone listening to maybe you don't even recognize that you're in one of those relationships for a long time, Sarah, I didn't even realize what's interesting is I wasn't really codependent on per se, my partners that I would spend time with. I ended up finding out my codependency lied within my, my relationship with my kids, but we're not talking about that tonight, but it's interesting because, um, not too far ago, I'd say over two years ago, I was in a relationship over a year. And I remember when we first got together, he had, I thought half kiddingly was like, Oh, I was, I've been told I'm codependent. I was like, Oh, ha, ha, that's funny. I don't believe that. And I didn't even know what codependent, I didn't, I never heard the word before. I didn't even know what that was. And jokes on me. That's not funny. Cause it ended up, I got a big slap in the face of what that really looks like and how serious it can get. So Sarah, what do you think of that word? codependency and do you know of any couples present past or were you in a relationship where there was double trouble codependency issues going on yes so it's interesting that you bring that up because i feel like personally speaking with relationships and codependency i am the person that feeds on being the person somebody is codependent on mm -hmm. versus being the person who's dependent i also i remember growing up in, you know, not my younger days, but, you know, early 20s and having that couple friend who literally could not go for 30 minutes without, oh, I wonder what so-and-so was doing or what they're up to. And we would be hanging out as a couple kind of doing our own thing. And they would have to keep returning back to their partner right. to, to check in, to yeah. see what they're doing. And I just thought, what is going, like, I thought it very strange. And also, it made me feel insecure as a friend. Like, am I not good enough to exactly. to be in your company? Mm -hmm. Is this something? So I then started internalizing it, taking it personally. Mm -hmm. But I realized that's something that they that's, that's on the, that's on their end. Yes. Mm -hmm. So yeah, no, I've definitely been around it, experienced it, and I would also have to say it from a manager's perspective of sober living. Uh -huh. That is one of the requirements when you come into sober living that you do not start any new relationships. Yeah, there are people who have been married for 20 years and their husband is at home and they come and stay in a house for a couple months, which that's OK. And they make we make it work. They visit or vice versa. They go or they come in and whatever it is. But no new relationships are meant to start within the first six months because of the fact that it is so likely that the person who's in recovery will use it as their new addiction. Mm hmm. Okay. Ding, ding, ding. I'm guilty. Okay. Just all you just said there makes me remind myself of when I'd start dating someone. You know why I would do that, Sarah? It was to distract myself from myself. I don't want to do any of that crap. 
So if I just put all my energy and my support and love into somebody else, and they're telling me how much they love and support me, I don't have to deal with the trauma. I don't have to deal with my insecurities. I didn't have to deal with the fact that I didn't love myself. Yep. And I didn't know that three years ago, Sarah, like full on. And yes, you're right. I do. I have a family member. I don't know where she's at today, but that was a consistent cycle. And it was so awkward. Every year there'd be a new serious relationship. I put that in quotation air quotes here. Serious relationship because they'd come to all the holidays. I'd feel so bad every year. And they're serious and holding hands and all that. I just thought it's all uncomfortable for all of us because we all know, hey, you're, you're serious relationship number five here. You know, it just felt bad for both of them. So anyway, oh, so the reason it's live, let me get rid of that banner there, is because I want our listeners to interact. See, I think the point is I don't want to say anything. I'm going to be authentic to myself. But if I say anything that, you know, I'm missing a piece or I'm making someone feel defensive or, you know, I want people to interact. I want to hear your side, your insights, your experiences, right? I only know what I've experienced and what I see and what I've read and you know, whatever. So I need to know what, you know, the other, um, what listeners have to say. Oh, let me get to the comments. Uh, so yeah, I wanted to read, do you want to go ahead and read while I get myself situated with the comments? Just start right there of what happens. All right. All right. What happens when two codependents get in a relationship? Sharing a tight bond with your partner is a wonderful thing, especially if you spend time doing activities you both get a kick out of and are on the same page in terms of values and goals. But there is such a thing as being too closely connected to the point that it hurts you and your relationship in the long run. It's called codependency, which means you're too encapsulated in your significant other, dependent on them for approval and a self-esteem boost. Codependency can be defined as unhealthy, dysfunctional, or dangerous reliance on another person, says Andrea Miller, author of Radical Acceptance, The Secret to Happy Lasting Love. A codependent relationship can be one where both partners have this dysfunctional reliance on the other. And wouldn't you say that really sums it up pretty clearly? Yes. I mean, what comes to mind for me, I've never really been like that, okay? First of all, Facebook wasn't a thing not too that long. You know, it's still, uh, for me, I, I've i always just been more of not in one, rel- one relationship to the next. But my problem was I'd get in a relationship and I was fully on, full-blown, committed. And the problem was it got to like this obsession that, yes. you know, and now I can look back and see I made uh, a point to do all the things to be that person that, well, at the end of the day, that if I love them so much and treat them so good that they'll do the same for me. Unfortunately, though, that didn't happen because they were healthy either and they would take advantage. And then it turned into this scary eggshell thing. But I know today in Facebook age, why cannot people see? I mean, they put their relationship statuses all over the place. Okay. Yes. And then you're you i specifically have a girl in my mind in my mind okay beautiful girl okay she's outgoing she's smart she's charismatic however i know it, me and everybody else sees when she gets into a new relationship we're like but wasn't she just with so-and-so what is she we all think i'm thinking most of us are like what is she doing and why would you put that on facebook but anyway so 
we have interaction. Okay, Jesse said, oh yeah, engaged after three months. Okay. Uh, Naomi says, craft Rhonda. Chrissy says, I had to stay in relationships right up until I got sober due to codependency from 17 till three years ago. So basically a lifetime. Ooh, Chrissy's touching on where we're going to yes. get to. I'm excited about I didn't even realize it all fell into my childhood. <laughs> all my issues. Okay. Chrissy said, same. And crap, Rhonda said, girl. And Patty's here. Okay. Ladies, yes, we got the interactions. So Sarah... Now I did pick up, so protocol, again, if this is your first time listening, so we got about 10 more minutes. I'm going to have two, three alarms going off to remind us. So we do an hour here. We're just going to keep chatting. I got like some really good hard blows here coming. That's the stuff <laughs> no, coming up. Okay. But I do want to talk about key warning signs because here's the thing. You could see codependency all over the place, but it's more scary, especially in recovery, when it's two people that are codependent and they get sucked in with each other. Yes. And I feel like, I know how do I address this? Like, what can I say? Because they're so defensive that they're just going to hide more. And then they stop coming to meetings. I don't want them and in the world of recovery. I'm sorry. When that blows up, when they break up, we're talking life-threatening disasters, like yes. life or death. And that's what's so scary. So I think nobody says anything like, what can we say? But first of all, what are the warning signs? No, I think you make a valid point on that, especially as somebody who, in your shoes as a peer recovery specialist and or even if you're just sponsoring mm -hmm. and you see it and you want to call it out, how do you do it without making somebody run away or put up the walls of denial, whatever mm -hmm. is going on, to be able to just take a look at it almost as like as an outside perspective, like, hey, do you see what you're doing here? Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I also just want to kind of throw out there too, this what we're talking about tonight is not about when you get in a relationship with somebody and you love doing stuff with them and you always want to hang out and do things. That's okay. That's normal. That's healthy. Yes. It's when you feel so insecure that you can't go half your day without thinking about what the other person's doing, what you guys are going to do, you know, together when, the second that that person gets home or with you or what all if your mind is like an addict's mind where all you can think about is that person there's some there that's a red flag mm -hmm. that's a huge red flag and you should be able to make decisions and go places and do things on your own with your own free will because that's why we're here right. <laughs> right but yes i think just to clarify that where we're going is the, that need that addiction piece mm -hmm. Oh, and that's right. I wanted to point out. Now, I see I see today beautiful couples in recovery. There's Caroline and Paul. They're with, I think, Wilbert. I mean, Ch Jason and Patty. I see, like, couples that, you know, are really, you know, all of us. I think that's where a lot of them kind of stem from, too. We're seeing these cool couples that have made it work. But I think there's so many different elements. Like, they probably had maybe a relationship foundation before needing recovery or they had some solid recovery going into it together i know the one relationship that i was in for that year okay for we'll getting treatment okay that was a red flag okay but yes. i had never been in a relationship with someone in recovery so i was so excited okay sarah so guess who called me out luckily i had a professional i had a therapist she uh, did it, you okay. know, so she kind of got more grace in that sense. Yeah. But again, my sponsor also did, but she tiptoed around it. But either way, both of those women, even though I loved and respected them, set off my rebellious mind. Like, it's okay, ladies. I know what I'm doing. Like, this is going to work. I'm going to make this work. Unfortunately, that said in my mind, now I got to make the fucking shit work. Even though I knew six months in, yeah. 
I, it wasn't going to work. I felt it, but I kept forcing it and I was doing and going above and beyond things I should have never have done. And then when it became like threatening to my children is when I finally had to draw the line. So it, and I still look back and I'm like, mm. so here, that's why I'm giving this useful information. Don't do what I did. Here's some key warning signs, Sarah. I'll start about, we'll go back and forth. All right. Warning signs. You know, you're afraid to, okay. So here's some key warning signs. Number one, you're afraid to make decisions on your own. If you feel a need to have your partner weigh in on every aspect of your life, from when you should go hang out with your friends to whether you should go for a promotion at work, uh, it could be your codependent. Like you said, though, there's a, definitely a healthy uh, perspective of that, right? Yeah. You know, but I recall when literally my friend's friend wouldn't go have lunch with me unless her little friend, her guy tagged along. It was uncomfortable and icky. I'm like, I don't want to have lunch with your friend, your boyfriend. I want to have lunch with. Okay, I'm like, this is gonna be our last lunch. You just let me know when you, by yourself, want to hang out with me. Well, yeah, exactly. And I think a lot of that too is that trying to find find that balance. And also, and yeah, you, of course you want to include your partner. I mean, that's being respectful mm -hmm. and that's part of being in a relationship. But when it gets to that point where you can't even go have a lunch with a girlfriend, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah, no. And you're checking your phone during your lunch. Oh yeah. That's ugh. number two. <laughs> All right. Number two, you do anything to avoid an argument. A person who is emo emotionally mature and healthy, who feels love and abundance and trust won't be afraid to voice an opposing viewpoint. I like this one, actually. I have watched friends of mine who are in relationships who I know sit on one perspective, on one side of something and completely throw their values and their viewpoints out the window the second they find out their partner is on the other side. See, Sarah, you are a psychic. You're just extremely intelligent because you're going to love my pro tips. You have no idea what's coming on the show, which I love because <laughs> you're right along with our listeners. Uh, number three, you do favors. Oh, my God. This one made me want to throw up. You do favors that normally make you uncomfortable. Mm. I'm going to jump into number four and then I'm going to have you do five. Um, you get jealous easily. So I was definitely number three. Ick. And then number two, to, I want to want, want to go back to because I always used to be that person until that that last relationship where it got really threatening and scary. Before that point, all my relationships that I was in a marriage for 10 years and I was on and off again with my other, um, other person for three years, I um, I literally would feel this icky feeling in my stomach if I didn't agree with them, but I wouldn't say it keep it inside make sure they just you know had no reason not to like me which now i yep. think i just want to like slap myself because how could i expect anybody to love me when i wasn't even being me being yeah. my real me and yes if it made them feel argument or whatever we can have a conversation we can agree to disagree like I, my mindset is so changed but you want to wrap it up with number five and then i do want to get into this great clip all right number five short and sweet what is a no number five sorry right there oh there we go you have to know where your partner is at all times oh yeah we already talked about that which but that's true that's part of it mm -hmm. that need to be almost and it's almost a control aspect mm -hmm. on both ends and it's just kind of i don't know 
I, that makes me just want to run for the hills. My personality, my every, my, the deepest part of my character is if somebody's trying to try and control me, I, it pushes me away farther, actually. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. And here's the thing in recovery, like before recovery, I thought it was cute. I thought it was like so nice that they cared about where I was and they want to make sure I was safe. When it started, okay, and then it escalates, right? It starts off like, oh, they're just checking in. Oh, they miss me yes. too. Oh, um, well, who was there? Oh, why are you wearing mascara? Um, just the tone of my voice or a look, I'm lying. Like it was like it got really scary really fast. Yes. So cute. <laughs> See, I had no idea what I was messing with. Okay. So we're gonna play this clip, but I did want where after we come back, I want to talk about um there's this great, if you go to the website, it's willingway.com. So um, it's going to be a pro tip, but we'll talk about that when we get to the pro tip. So we don't do hot seed. So I forgot to say, so normally on a regular episode, we do our 20 minutes of conversation. We do, you know, for sure, 10 back and forth, make listeners, we do a clip and then we do the hot seat, which is three hot, heavier questions. But because this is like a specific topic with a specific purpose and intention, we do three pro tips. Okay. And then, of course, you get to, you can chime in on any ones that you pop into or think of. Absolutely. So, this clip all correlates. You know how I am. Everything ties in. It might not tie in all at once, but it does make sense eventually. So, this clip I really loved um, because I really hated, oh, you have to love yourself. Mm, yeah. Okay. Well, that's easy for everyone to say who's never been in recovery or had addictions or substance use disorder. Okay. So that's what I hate about a lot of these motivational ones that I'm listening to. It's just like you need to love yourself. Well, how about if you've spent 39 years of your life hating yourself or not even knowing what loving yourself even looks like? A bubble bath ain't going to fix it, Sonny. <laughs> so I just get so bad because, oh, yeah, that sounds so fucking easy. I'm taking a bath. You know, I'm reading. I still don't love myself. Like, what the f- are you talking about? So my pro tips are professional tips that I found that worked for me because I like to put myself in that dark place. You know, I just got to add, and I think, do. to be honest, because I, I, I really love what you're touching on here. And for the future, I would love to do a self-love um, discussion, just that alone as the topic yes because there's a lot of things there that are missing for people that don't understand like i'm the person that fights that because i don't i have a hard time accepting myself Mm -hmm. so to love myself on top of it seems nearly impossible but i i do get it now it's Mm -hmm. taken me a very long time and a lot of different paths to follow but i understand it now so yeah i would love down the road to take that on oh my gosh yes i would love to just have an episode coming from the negative aspect at first my friend angela actually at one of our monday night meetings pointed out like i actually feel guilty i especially as mothers like i feel guilty doing anything for myself that isn't self you know selfless like i feel like taking any time even coming to this meeting i feel guilty yes well these motivations they don't understand that aspect so especially when you spend so many years in addiction feeling like an asshole like I don't get to be, I, I don't get to have self care because I have all. The, I felt like I had too much to make up for before. I felt at that point three years ago, Sarah, that I didn't give, I didn't deserve forgiveness, yes. let alone fucking self care. I have a lot of making up to do. Well, no wonder it took so long to get out of the hole, as I set myself up negative below. Okay, so this one, if you go to, I think I already posted it, uh, Facebook comments, but it's a. There's 16 minutes. Oh, we're too slow. Sorry, Sally. 
turn her back on. This one is self-love. It's a positive morning motivation. Power on. We're literally going to play two minutes, Don't not 16 minutes. So that'd be half our show now. <laughs> <laughs> so here we go. Hopefully the volume is good. Oh, there's a hesitation. Oh, would help. You know what would help if I turned the Wi-Fi on, Sarah? <laughs> <laughs> it's been a weekend. Oh yes. I tell you, I just been really. Well, it's been great because I've been making a point to like be at home and be in my space, but also stepping away from trying not to be organized <laughs> and try not to think ahead. Well, I literally didn't think ahead at all. Okay, ten seconds. Okay, back it up. Here we go. So self love. Uh, laws of attraction YouTube. There we go. So, Still not working. Okay, hopefully this works. Because if you understand the value of self-love, you'll never be friends with those type of people. Most of the people out here are running around empty. They have no sense of self, no sense of self-love. When I say self-love, it has nothing to do with celebrity, money, materialistic things, and all of the things that your negative mind could probably go to. It has nothing to do with self-love. It has nothing to do with looks, nothing to do with cars and any of the superficial things that one would assume that could make you love yourself even more. It's a matter of knowing your value. Bluetooth connected. You're saying, I don't have to be around these people in these type of environments and situations in order for me to finally see the value in myself. I love me independent of you loving me. I believe in me. I know my self-worth. I am here and I have a purpose. There is no value in having wisdom, knowledge, insight, spirituality, love. Every day, I am a work in progress. A person who can forgive nothing is a person who is totally destroyed psychologically and emotionally. Forgive your parents. Forgive any relationship that you ever had that didn't work out. Forgive everyone else in your life that has ever hurt you in any way. Forgive yourself. Forgiveness is giving up the hope that the past could be any different. I think for myself, and I know many of you, you think forgiving means accepting what has happened to you. Well, it is accepting that it has happened to you. Not accepting that it was okay for it to happen. It is accepting that it has happened, and now what do I do about it? Forgiving is giving up the hope, not holding on, hoping, wishing, that it could have been any other way than it actually was. Giving up the hope that the past could be any different. Holy smokes. That is Dale. Sorry about the technical difficulties. 
lot of big things in there. Anything stood out to you right away? Uh, yeah, I was just kind of wondering if you still love yourself despite your clear uh, technical difficulties. I forgive myself. Now <laughs> <laughs> that he said, just laugh at myself. Like, this, this is not like professional here. I try to be professional. Okay, one thing that really I loved. Okay, there was three big things. Yes. Um, and I was going to cut it before Oprah came on, but that piece that Oprah shared is how, ooh, it makes me feel emotional, was how I was able to forgive my parents, Sarah, which is a lot of where my trauma stemmed, which is a lot of where I have never felt love from any of my partners because I didn't believe I was worthy of love thanks to my parents. Okay, now, now. I first heard that second guy said, forgive your parents, you know, but then he went on to forgive this and that. I'm like, it still reminds me of that moment. I remember doing that inventory and I remember key people saying, but you got to put them on the list. I said, they're not even going on my fucking list. Be sorry. They're not even going on my list because they don't get no forgiveness. Like I could forgive them in the sense of they're bad people and they were just going to do what they were going to do. But like, I'm not making no amends to them. And when I heard Oprah say, oh, it makes me emotional. Because it was 17 years of a lot of physical abuse, a lot of emotional abuse, there was sexual abuse by my own father. I don't think that evil man deserved any forgiveness. And a let alone by mom was just or more guilty. The fact that she didn't believe me. She made me feel like I made it up. And still, tell you know, 30 five years old she was still saying she was still in denial i'd still make in like the split second of me would still question it myself so i believed i was this liar for like ever anyway so when someone when oprah said it's not about forgiving what they did it's not about forgetting what you know went on the wrongness of that it's about forgetting it's about accepting that it has happened accept that peace be, and let go of the hope that it will ever be anything different and like right away my go-to was like yeah i know it's the past i can't change that but i'm not gonna lie a little piece of me my my adopted mom is still alive still wanted her to fucking acknowledge that it happened and to acknowledge that i am lovable and worthy of love you know Yes, actually. And as you were just kind of going down that, that really makes me, it hits home for me because as a person who suffers from chronic depression, one of my symptoms that I deal with on it all the time is the fact that I feel hopelessness. Mm -hmm. I feel, what's the point? Mm -hmm. Why even bother? Why do all these things? Because whenever I give hope to something, it doesn't pan out. What I'm missing is the fact that I need to learn to give up the hope that things will have been different and trying to change the past. The concept or idea of being hopeful for something exciting, I shouldn't squander that and, and tuck it down and hide it because that's not doing myself any good. Mm -hmm. But because I just, I, I feel like I'm having this little aha moment as I'm speaking, but it's all connected. I need to let go of that past stuff. That, that hope that that that's where I feel hopeless because I feel like because that's not changing nothing else will change right. that's not true right so yeah no that hits home very deeply for me yes well and it took me a long time to process it and when I finally truly understood it and I aligned with it and I connected with it I realized in my heart today I feel sadness I feel pity 
for my mom. I feel pity, sadness for my past relationships because <clears throat> I mean, a couple of them, they've definitely grown, you know, and I was young when I first got married, like there's been a lot of growth, but you know, because I'm just so wired now with immediately being able to have that empathy immediately, be, but now I have so much love for myself. I don't question myself. So immediately what's up when my ex or somebody tries to say something on the other side, I know it's about them. I know it's not me. Where before I didn't have any love for myself, so I immediately went to blame myself. Okay, so that is typically our hot seat alarm, but guess what, Sarah? All right. Let's get into the good stuff. Yes. The juicy stuff. Okay, so pro tips. We're going to have, I have prepared three professional tips. So here's what's great, Sarah. I, there's a point to these tips because of all the research I did, none of them have in the back of my mind you know, there's a lot of ones for people in recovery or whatever. They're all treatment, clinical BS stuff that, okay. It didn't, it, for me, I had 17 years of really lot of bad stuff. So walking in, doing all the things I couldn't start where these people are trying to have the, where I, well, I'll just say me, I was not ready to start. So my pro tips worked for me when I was coming from severe depression and trauma and all sorts of things. So these are the things that kind of started to get me into come to the light. My light was so dim. So I would love to hear how you, any of these that might, you're yes, like, yeah, that worked please. for me or anything that pops up for you. Okay. So, uh oh, somebody says audio isn't working. Oh, audio is working now. Okay. Whoo. Okay. Listeners, feel free. Any questions, anything that we've said that you're like, no, I don't agree with that. Or you're missing this piece. Please let me know because yes, there was a whole lot of information that I'm leaving out. There's a whole lot of sides and aspects right now. I'm just going on the whim of we're trying to fit it in an hour here. Yes. Oh, okay. So here we go. Pro Oh, I wrote those on paper. I forgot. Oh, lovely. I do not like looking at my phone. I just, I hate it. It's like, a, it, it's its own addition. I'll let you hold on to that beautiful piece. And it's in a, there's a card. I'm actually going to have you read what I highlighted. Because uh, that's going to be a pro tip number two. Okay, pro tip number one that I think is huge. So if you are that codependent person or you're with a codependent person or you're that poor bystander, you don't know what to say or do. Here's some things to, that you could maybe pass on to them or some things that you yourself could look at. So I didn't even have this list, Sarah. Pro tip number one is... Oh, I got the sound effect. It just makes it so much cooler. <laughs> list, list and know your own core values. Oh, dang it. There's a delay because I don't pay for the service. Here we go. Okay. Yes. So what that means, guess what? You could just go. I found like several cool little, I actually posted one. You could take a test that will at least get you a quick little assessment to see what, based on your answers, that assessment says your core values are today i like that well and again uh, this is a whole nother rabbit hole itself but anything when you're dealing with values and knowing where you stand with yourself i think is going to help you not only not be a codependent person but also set those boundaries for people who are being dependent upon you Mm-hmm. So, and that took me a long time to figure that out. And even though I have very, I was raised by a very strong-willed man who <laughs> uh, instills 
his values, but not just his. He always had that, like, okay, but if you're going to come up with yours, you stick by them. Mm -hmm. Like, that type of mentality. And so, I am a very stubborn person, and I do tend to kind of want to go my own way, but it wasn't until diving into recovery and figuring out where all this stuff goes and where it leads to that those that the values, those are the key pieces that align you with the direction and where you are heading and also how and why, like how you, how to guide your life in that way. Yes. How you show up every single day. And here's the key thing. I couldn't love my, I couldn't even start self-love, so BS, until I knew who I was as a person. I didn't know what, I mean, like I felt what my values were, but I, until I sat down and list that shit out. To actually face them. Yes. Confront them. Yes. And feel more authentic as myself. So one thing that stood out um, for that too. So I did post an assessment, but like I said, find out, okay, Sarah, do you have one that popped? popped up one of the ones that i think always pop in my core value list is integrity because i like to loop in a few things yeah living honestly which was that's something that i always tried to be but at throes of my addiction that line swayed so i for me integrity means living honestly and doing what i know in my heart my gut my mind about it is right and not going against that anymore ever you have a core value that comes to mind? Yeah, actually, um, it kind of even ties in a little bit with the self-love concept, but generosity. Yeah. So, and I'm not talking about, oh, you need to give money away or be financially or materialistically able to give something. I'm talking about the people that literally can give time, give something that you know is going to make a difference in somebody else's life that has basically the whole concept of not of being selfless and not being selfish either. And that's also, again, the whole concept of self-love and what people love to preach about is, oh, well, self-love is self-care. So take time and go take that hot bubble bath or Mm -hmm. whatever it is that they're putting out. Well, somebody who literally prides themselves and holds that as a core value, generosity, I don't have time to set that much time aside for myself. Mm-hmm. What that's not benef- that's not benefiting anybody mm-hmm. but myself. Mm-hmm. It took me a lot of training to realize, okay, but when I'm happy, my daughter's happy. Right. Like I didn't correlate that until later on. But yeah, that's that's definitely one of my key values. Love it. And for me, self-care, you know, I always thought it was outside shit like Sarah, look at my nails. I, look at these. Chip it away. I never have time every night to sit down and worry about my nails or I don't want to spend money, whatever. But for me, now I made a point every night. I love just journaling or writing or reading something that I want to read and enjoy. For me, that is self-care that feeds my you know, inner soul. Okay. Pro tip number two. And so this one, I, we're going to read. I want you to read this key, yeah. beautiful paragraph from this great book. But Pro tip number two, Sarah, you were actually the inspiration, and I'm going to read a couple examples, <laughs> is set mantras. For me, I only could do one a day. Yep. One mantra, and I might use that same, I use that same mantra for months, but for tough moments. Okay, so let's get rid of the fluffy rainbow shit. Set mantras when you're not in a good place. Okay, so we're going to share some of them. Before we share those, oh, so... Pro tip number two, set, let's just say even one. If you could do more, do more. Yeah. But set one mantra for tough moments you could start using today. So, what kind of what book do you have there, Sarah? 
All right. This is a favorite Warriors in Recovery by Melanie Moberg. And in her chapter of Self and Love and Acceptance on page 63, highlighted here is I don't break promises to myself. When I started keeping promises to myself, I started respecting myself. Try it. There's a hard truth that I want to share because it resonated with me in a big way. You may dislike me for dislike me for a bit or for a long time after this one. So please take a deep breath and just consider it. You don't have to make any rash decisions today. Just consider it. We have what we are willing to tolerate. If there is someone or something in your life that you do not like, ask yourself if you are okay with it. Remember, only you can change your life. If someone or something is in your life, that is because you are allowing it. This isn't always e easy to accept. Sometimes the people we love are the things we are tolerating. We must decide if we are still willing to tolerate them. For now, simply be aware that if you are unhappy with someone or something in your life, it is possible that you are not doing what is needed to protect your emotional and or physical space. And I think I'm just going to jump right in on this one. Yeah. I, I, I instantly have my defense mechanisms going up and wanting to challenge this because as a yeah. mother who co-parents with somebody that is very challenging to me and that I don't directly care for mm -hmm. very much, I want to just be like, well, I'm stuck with this person. No, I'm actually not. And to check myself, I shouldn't be letting the person affect my everyday and I don't. I make communication and things be for my daughter on her sake and on her behalf. But other than that, my every day-to-day -day things are my own decisions. Those are my own life choices. And I don't include that person. That person doesn't need, if they throw out an opinion, I don't have to hear it, let alone, especially, I don't have to accept it. Yes. Ooh. Okay. Now you just made me think of three things. A, I'm in the same predicament. And but let me back up. So when I read this, this was a turning point in that last relationship that I was in. The turns pretty bad. Um, I underlined that in that book because when she said, "What you? What is going on?" You know, I immediately thought of this person, and it had gotten so bad. I'm allowing it, and I thought, but I'm not. Like I've done all the things to tell him to leave. I've done all the things to like get his family, try to get the vote. He's even got a conflict. I've done all these things. I'm not allowing it. At the end of the day, she's right. I'm still allowing him to come into my home. I'm still allowing him to think that this is somehow ever going to work. Yeah. And it was, it, it was a good, hard reality. And, and the other piece, what you just said too, is at the end of the day where it's come down to with me and my ex, one of my exes is that we only have to talk when it comes to our children. And that's, you know, now it's gotten a little better, but most part, and I don't have to agree with him. We don't have to agree. Guess what? There's other people in that circle of our family dynamics, the schools and the therapists and other people. Like I keep to the facts. I keep to evidence. And the main thing I think of is, am I stepping up and doing the best I can? This is for my daughter or, our, yeah, you know, our family. It's not about you. Nope. <laughs> and so whatever he wants to say, he always brings up stuff for the past. So silly. But at the end of the day, I remind him, like, this is about me and you. Whatever happened a month, a year, five years ago, 
I'm talking about this present moment. I just have to keep bringing it back. And before that used to be my red button. It would set me off. I'd start acting whatever. Nope. I just paused and he's left and walked out and been mad or whatever, but it's great because I just stay planted and present and just give them that space. Okay. Last one. Pro tip number. Oh, wait, I forgot. We got to share. So here's some oh, examples. Yes. And this is your post. Mantras for tough moments. Now here's the funny part. It's from the curious parenting. <laughs> But here's what's great is at the end of the day, and we're going to talk about emotional, emotional sobriety, you know, a lot of people's emotional maturity levels are very different. And for me, not very lucky, but I grew up very early. Okay. So my emotional maturity, unfortunately, I didn't have a childhood, but I found that one of the relationships I was in is most maturity was lower than my, some of my older children's. So these mantras actually would have been very useful to have them. And I actually picked a couple that I'm going to keep for myself, but I'm going to read them all. So mantras for tough moments. First one, they are feeling frustrated when the limits I set with the limits that I set, not with me. Go ahead. We'll just go back and forth. Absolutely. All right. The second one, this feels scary right now and that's okay. Love it. What can I do to support myself? It doesn't feel like it, but they're safe, and so am I. Mm. Limit pushing is a natural part of development. It's how people learn to be independent. What might they need right now? And the last one is, what might I need right now? Ooh, those are great. I could spend another hour just talking about each of them because I've, I've seriously every each one of these I've in a situation thought about a moment where I just had to leave drive in the middle of the night just to make a point to keep my promise and my boundary to myself. Yes. My kids are safe. He's safe. I'm cold and freezing driving around the fucking vehicle with my nightgown, but I'm making my goddamn point. Okay. Yeah. And so the last pro tip number three I have in front of me, this is a fantastic book, Sarah, I found um, actually when I first started as a um, peer recovery specialist. It's uh, okay. Ooh, I got to get my ding. Makes it sound more authentic, I think. <laughs> uh, so pro tip number three is read Emotional Sobriety by Tian Dayton. Tian Dayton. T-I-A-N-D-A-Y-T-O-N. So it's Emotional Sobriety. First, let me do the ding. It's and then if you read underneath, it says from relationship drama to resilience and balance. This is great. And it comes with a workbook and they nail it's a, it really the workbook, especially. But just read this whole book. You could just you don't even need the workbook. It talks about understanding your why I needed to know why I was so fucked up, like why I was doing the things I felt what I knew wasn't good. I could feel it. I knew this patterns and cycles weren't healthy. I kept getting in bad relationships and relationships. And, and the, the underlying factor, it was still I'm the one showing up at these relationships. I'm doing all the things I know for a fact. I'm taking care of them. I'm making points not to fight ever disagree what is going on so understanding your why or you know what happened because what this book helped me that's our last letter we're about to get to the beebs this book helped me understand my own trauma you know but i needed to understand the why before i could even begin to peel and start healing on my trauma that was really hard i at least recommend for me i need a good year 
before I could even start really digging into my trauma with a therapist. But this book at least opened some light and gave me the scientific facts of what happens with our brains and our emotions. Our emotions are the set triggers. Oh, I you know, I can't argue with any of that. In fact, it kind of makes me want to make a point because I feel like I don't I have not read this book myself and it sounds a lot like it's acceptance. The yes. key is acceptance. Yes, I just quoted the big book. <laughs> but tie it all in. It's all related. Recovery, parenting, self-love, especially codependence. Mm -hmm. You need to be able to accept yourself at the end of the day with your decisions, mm -hmm. not the whys or ifs or hows or whatever to go down that those rabbit holes. Yes. But just to be in the moment and accept things as they are right now. Yes huge and for me because i had so much darkness in my heart you know i had attempted to take my life um and i was not supposed to come back so i had run away from life so before i could even really accept that i was here and that i was going to have to, i had to understand because i couldn't explain to anyone why i did the things i did how could you do that how could you do that to your kids how could you you know these those people are gone all my life by the way they're not supportive people when they were already i'm already down on the ground and they're yep. just kicking me while i'm down i don't even know i just can't I, I know but i'm so glad that i didn't let that consume me because i was already i mean i just almost died they're telling me i'm an idiot so but for me, okay, I'm just going to read a little bit from this book and we're going to get into some lighter stuff, the beams. But chapter one, what is emotional sobriety? So recent research in neuroscience suggests just the, op just the opposite of what you might think. Emotions, it turns out, impact our thinking more than our thinking impacts our emotions. Ding! Aww, big surprise. Right? The emotional part of our brain actually sends more inputs to the thinking part of our brain than the opposite. In other words, when our emotions are out of control, so is our thinking. And when we can't bring our feeling and thinking into some sort of balance, our life and our relationships feel out of balance too. Emotional sobriety encompasses our ability to live with balance and maturity. Fantastic, right? Beautiful. Okay, Sarah, any final thoughts? And then we're going to jump into our last segment. No, I, first of all, thanks for introducing me to this book just now, because now I have had, we'll add that to my list of 20 books I want to read within this month. Uh, <laughs> have my new addiction reading. <laughs> um, but no, I just, I think these are all really good concepts and things to think about. And that's the one great thing about this podcast is we're not here to preach or do anything and tell anybody how to live one way or the other. It's just here just to have a conversation, not a debate and to throw out just things that people notice and things that we know that, you know, Hey, maybe we ourselves are working on this or we know somebody that could use to work on this, or maybe we're just trying to figure out how to help somebody in our life that we know might need help. So Absolutely. And I just shared with you the other day, Sarah, I'm almost terrified to even try a relationship. I'm in no place right now. Like I'm the nice thing is I have no desire. I've been trying to date. That's a joke. But anyway, but like I do worry because my old patterns is this obsession. My my brain before has this love addiction thing where that I like to just enthrall myself and completely fall. Now it takes me a long time to get there. 
but those past three that I did, it's all in. It's all law. <laughs> but I, now I feel like I do have enough knowledge. But here's some things um, that did stand out. So there's this great website. I'll post a link, but it does talk about. So if you're seeing those people and you don't know what to say and you don't know what to do, I love these tips because really, so you go to the willingway.com how to fix an addicted or codependent relationship because that you can you can actually do it if you're willing to do the work yep. it's gonna be a lot of work but it can't be one-sided and the other side can't half-ass it like you either got to be all in or not um but the relationship between codependency and addiction one of the many problems with a codependent relationship is that you may be inadvertently enabling a partner's addiction that was me sarah i thought i totally understand i mean i wish i ended up trying to be the person that i always wanted when I was struggling, when I was getting in the downward spiral and then eventually realized like I wanted to be that person that showed up that I never had. Ooh, it was not a good idea. Um, so accidentally, inadvertently enabling a partner's addiction. So in your attempt to show your love by helping in quotes, your partner, you can actually discourage him or her from seeking the treatment that they needed from professionals. Um, so how did I know my friend is in a code group? So we already talked about that. They're constantly making compromises for the other person. You know, I find that as a CPRS working with my clients, um, they're venting about their relationship, right? Yes. But as soon as I make one little thing to agree with them, even Sarah, I'll be like, oh yeah, what they said, that is so not right. It's crazy to see they'll flip on me and say, well, you actually, you don't know this because this is why he did this. And they go to defend them. I'm like, okay, I, I hear what you're saying. I just want you <laughs> yep. to know I'm just agreeing with you. And I'm like, ooh, there's going to be some time to work and process through that. But all we can really do is, you know, um, is really just listen is the big thing. And really is just help them to kind of self-realize. And when I did the um, Alexandra House uh, 50-hour beautiful um, advocate training is unfortunately, especially in abusive relationships the average person will go back even if there's lots of physical and sexual violence and abuse seven times they'll go right back into it before they pull themselves out of it so uh yes and sorry to kind of just jump in here and do. cut you off yeah so it's funny because now that you say that that makes me think of this thing that uh, i came across not that long ago it's called the four horsemen and how to stop them with their antidotes, but this is in regards to relationships. Mm. So the four things that can kill a relationship the fastest are criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. Mm. Go figure. Men are more notorious toward with stonewalling. Mm -hmm. Um, the one that is most irreversible and you just, you're, it's going to take a miracle basically to get out of, but contempt. When you talk about somebody about how distasteful you feel or they do this or do that, that and, and, and just that holding all of that negativity mm. towards that other person is not these are i i don't want to go down the rabbit hole but these are the one things that and you were just talking about and that's what made me want to hold this up and it but there are ways to deal with them yeah it doesn't matter even though it's the most worst one because you know what i am that person mm -hmm. i will get myself so in a negative downward spiral and start taking it out on the other person and with contempt 
that I've that this has actually been pretty beneficial for relationship my own personal relationship of maintaining a healthier, more accepting relationship. Yes. And for me now, I'm just like take it or leave it kind of part. And I found that just being honest up front right away, you know, I did try to date a little bit. And that person that I was kind of hanging out with a little bit, nothing serious, we nothing went serious, but um i remember saying up front you know i just got out of this relationship and he, it was pretty serious and you know whatever um i still to this day i've never shared details of how bad it was but he said he respected that i was kind of excited because he was like you know i'll respect we're not going to label this nothing we're just going to hang out um but i set those clear i say promises not boundaries promises like so don't expect anything like this is not going to be sexual at any time soon. But also, I don't want to label that we're dating. I don't want really to like don't put nothing on Facebook. But also, I made a point to say if I feel icky or I feel off about something that you say or do, I'm just going to be upfront and let you know so we can have a discussion about it. And I want you to do the same thing. That is the only way this is going to work because I told him I'm still angry. To, I'm still angry. I still have resentments that I'm processing for men in general. Yes. <laughs> you know. And he said he was okay with that. But at the end of the day, I realized he had a lot of work to do on himself. And what ended up happening was, I mean, any little thing, I'm like, so I noticed that you said this a few times. I'm just wondering, you know, where this is coming from, what you mean by that. He got so defensive. What do you mean? Like, I don't know. I got to think about it. He'd hang up and then he talked the next day and he got way in his head and he talked to his sober friends and in his house and it totally took it to some whole other level. Instead of having that conversation with me, Run. <laughs> I, I well he ended up running which was kind of funny but it kind of hurt because I heard that like he was sharing that I was too much and I was always in a negative space and he just wanted to be around someone fun and free here's the thing I'm fun and free Sarah you know that <laughs> the only like I think there was like four times and they weren't even big things but I didn't want to build resentments and I wanted to be upfront, like hey when you said this or when you ditched me on my fucking birthday, hang out with you, whatever. Like, I don't care if you planned the week of the decade after because you wanted a week and like you still was my birthday. You know, like I didn't say it like that, Sarah. But I was yeah. like, I don't know how I say it usually is putting myself in your shoes, processing it for a while. Here's how I would have handled you. You want to just talk about, you know, where your head was that, you know? Yes. But he did not like that at all. And it turns out he was telling everybody I'm the negative person. Okay, not naming names. Let me tell you, he's negative Nancy. Always <laughs> bitching about his roommates. His bitching about his co-hosting people. He was, his family. Like, it was a mountain of crap. And I think at the end of it, our hangouts, I felt like I had to share and vent about negative stuff so that I didn't feel like, I didn't want him to feel like I'm just this happy, positive person all the time. It was very twisted and weird, Sarah. No, and you know what's even funnier about that is you just nailed it on the head. You know, the, about yes, you. and those people, though, it's always the person that goes, I hate drama. I can't stand drama. Those are the number one people who bring right. <laughs> that bring it uh -huh. and promote it and do all the things drama related. Mm -hmm. Whatever you're trying to shut out, clearly you have an issue internally with it directly. Yes. And there were so many people who were like, oh, I heard you guys are dating. I'm like, who said that? <laughs> <laughs> they're like well i was like we're hanging out we're friends they're like no he said you guys are dating i'm like oh my gosh whoa i don't even know you i barely knew that person like it was crazy but yes now it's a red flag if someone says i don't like drama that means that they like drama and chaos they still have that little thing of addiction there yep. you ready to get to the beef sarah yes, yes, okay yes, yes. so there's 
I believe eight of them. And I did pick two particular ones that came from your page at some point, or you posted on the Bad Mouth page, but okay. um, I definitely felt a little freer too. I do have to be mindful. So what happens, this is the last segment. It's called live Facebook memes. And what that just means is through the week, I screenshot my favorite ones, whether they're funny or aha or inspirational or just whatever reason. And then I share them live. And Sarah, you get to describe them and just give me your like Facebook comments, laugh out loud, like, don't like, whatever. But um, I got to be a little free and forthcoming with someone. None of them are, I couldn't find any offensive ones. I wasn't trying to, I'm trying to be authentic with this, but okay. okay. So here we go. Um, oops, I think there's going to be an ad that plays. So there is eight of them and I'm going to pull them up. Let me get rid of this banner here quick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm hoping there's not two inappropriate ones. Okay, I got rid of that. And oh, where they are. Okay, so I put them up and I have the bit order. So we're going to start with this first one. Oh, God. See, the, I refuse to. I'm so. I'm t sticking on my budget, mm -hmm. but I refuse to pay another $5.99. When you add all that stuff up, Netflix and all that, it all adds up. I'm not paying $5.99 for two sound effects, but they're great sound effects. They're very tempted. Here we go. Makes me laugh. All right, memes of the week. And number one, you love it. Read it at the top there. If you can. You, you you call it trauma. I call it it's a picture. And of. then a picture of a restaurant whose name is Spicy Memory. <laughs> and I you know what? I don't know why this makes me giggle a little bit, but this makes me think of my cousin whenever. So my my family, not just me, grew up in a very interesting way. But so I have a cousin who I literally could see this would be his like complete Damn. reaction to it. Yeah. And he would probably go off on a whole tangent, which you always hear the stories about why most people who are super humorous or comedians or all that other stuff is because of their childhood, yes. the stuff that they went Cover through. Humor. Yeah, this is right up his alley on something the way this is put <laughs> out. I love it. Okay. Yes, it looks like some kind of sweet. I think Dan sent this to me because of last week, but uh, 100%, it would be like a code. I bet you a lot of people would do this. I would be like, hey, anybody want to go to this, get, get some sushi? We're going to spicy memories to straight up talk about some trauma, <laughs> some issues that just happened. Okay, next one. You sent me this one. Who's that? Do you remember Dan? Um, I, I believe it's Dale yeah. from Kale. Yes. Oh, good Lord. Okay. I don't care about mandates. Because I don't date men. <laughs> I just I remember his voice. I don't care about man dates because I don't date men. <laughs> All little boys or girls. <laughs> I love that show. I do, yes. <laughs> That's true. The whole man days COVID is so starting again. We were just at that bookstore. Yeah. Uh, it was great with the ovaries. And there was a stuffed kid. <laughs> What a COVID. It was pretty funny. There's literally a stuffy, like a kid stuffed animal of a uterus with the ovarian. Totally <laughs> yes. It is really cute and cuddly looking, but it was meant to be a way to talk to your kids. About the female, <laughs> female parts. But they had a little COVID like bug and I thought that was kind of cool. Anyway, Sarah, this is what's so great. When we go together, we are following each other. The listeners have no idea. Okay. <laughs> Next meme. Now, this one's good. I think you might have said, I don't know. I love this one. Nope. This is not for me. All right. 
Let's see here. This is from Hubert Reeves, a Canadian astrophysicist. Man is the most insane species. He worships an invisible God and destroys a visible nature. Unaware that this nature he's destroying is the God he's worshiping. That's pretty profound, actually. Right? Yes. I think that's a very good way of kind of an aha or a, mm-hmm. I, I like to, you know, pick at people a little bit who are very, ooh, how do I say preachy? this? Preachy. Yes. Preachy. Thank you. But just, I like to challenge people's mentalities. Mm-hmm. And I do see a lot of um, people who, you know, do things that are re- direct violation of what they're. Yes. Hypocritical. Exactly. Yeah. And they're so, uh, and interestingly enough, I'm really obsessed with the minimalist. As you know, we're doing the minimalist challenge game. One thing that, oh, and it's profound. They're just really more getting into the depths of why we consume so many things and Mm -hmm. shop so many things. It's all about inner stuff. They actually had a guy on their show on this podcast about he works with people um, when they're terminal. Mm-hmm. what's beautiful about it is that he shares there's this like crystallization that actually goes on in your body it releases this whole like almost pre-death awakening and he's seen amazing things so they might only have three months to live but because they know they only have three months to live that's a quality of life they go out in nature and they're doing all these things amongst the world and people well guess what some of them end up living two or three more years because that's what human beings are meant to be right out in nature out of whatever creator or god that you have created this beautiful earth for us to live in love and they're preaching you gotta live and love each other they're not even loving the earth And making sure that this seven generations, you know, future people get to, oh, don't get me started. But yes, I love (laughs) this universe. I love you. Okay, next meme. How to hold regret tenderly. Mm. I wish I would have done that differently. And at the time, I couldn't. Savannah Sayana Wand. She's a coach. Say that one again. All right. Isn't it beautiful? How to hold regret tenderly. I wish I would have done that differently. And at the time, I couldn't. I struggle with this one because I don't believe in regrets. That's what it's saying. You can hold it, but not say it was a mistake. I shouldn't have done that. It's accepting that I would have done it differently knowing what I know now. But I couldn't because I didn't know then what I know now. So a softer way of saying rephrase, reframe mm-hmm. the way you look at something as a regret. And not beating myself up. Yes. And shaming and I, myself. See, and that's why I struggle. Just right away, it, it takes me, it sets me off and triggers me just by the word regret. regret. Yes. Yep. But right after it is tenderly, tenderly, right? And so that was one of my biggest character defects was beating myself up and punishing myself. And so I loved how, yes, hold it. Because when I got into it, my kid's therapist, right? She was shooting bullets at me, Sarah. And she was like, don't you regret what you did? What, I mean, don't, what do you have to say? And he's in the room with me. Like she was going after me. And I'm like, I paused and I said, I honestly cannot say I regret anything because yes, I definitely would have done things differently, but I can't take any of that back. And I don't regret any of it because where I sit today, I actually like myself and I am being the best mother and I'm showing up and doing the best I can. And I'm okay with that. And guess what, Sarah? Well, she's no longer, but it took a while. She's no longer my son's therapist, but my son defended me too and loved me and said, I, I get what she's saying. And 
it was just a moment, aha moment, but I needed to forgive myself. Okay, yes. next meme, ready? Yep. All right, there's a broken egg. Accountability 101. These first two have been crossed off. I meant well. That was not my intent. And then with a green check, I broke the egg. Okay. All right. Yes. So facts. <laughs> I feel like this is so. I literally have just. Okay. So, you know, right before we got here, I have my daughter this weekend mm -hmm. and she is very emotional. She's very tenderhearted and also very sensitive. So I'm kind of the opposite of her and it's hard for me to deal with her high sensitivity level. And I've been trying so hard to, to match her and oh, good Lord. You did great. Oh my God. But literally this, this meme right here literally says it all. I meant, well, that was not my intent. Like it doesn't matter if I, whatever I do or say to my daughter, it, to her, if I say it, loud i'm yelling if i say it with a specific tone i'm being mean mm -hmm. like those are the things that she can only register and for me i can't even i i, I have to give all of that up mm -hmm. to even do to get to her i just have to say this is what happened stick to the facts mm -hmm. and don't add or you know just keep it real simple and that seems to be beneficial between her and i in our relationship but yeah, this is, I feel like this is literally just what happened. <laughs> yes. Account accountability 101. So now I'm going to flip that dynamic because when I saw this, I thought of two things. One, why I've, I've still have, I still don't, like I've let it go. And that's what's nice is, but where it sits today, I never got that accountability piece. Now my adopted dad dead. He's been dead for a little bit. But like my adopted mom and still my sister, those are two big people that are not in my life, have not been in my life for three years. Well, lo and behold, they're doing pretty well. Yep. But they always go to those first exes first. Well, I didn't mean that. Yes. I didn't know. I didn't mean for that to happen. That's bullshit. Yep. So before I'd be like, okay, well, I just got to let them be, you know, they're just not competent. Well, my sister is a very competent, None of them can admit smart. It. Correct. And they just need to go to, I fucked up Yep. because what I put myself in their shoes and vice versa on things that I have done, I, you know what, I even actually, I'm going to go to dark place. Okay. Now he's dead. The only way, cause oh, like it took me weeks to process, like how can I really forgive this monster? There's a lot of terrible things. I, if he was alive or if my mom, actually, I would say sat down and looked me in my face. And like I said, she doesn't have, I don't feel like she even has the deep capacity to handle things on a deeper level. Like even her generation is older than my friend's generation. Like it wasn't like emotional maturity thing. But even if she just, as long as she did fall into the excuses, bullshit, those first yeah. things, it just said, I messed up. Yep. I never should have questioned you. I should have taken what you said as is. And I'm sorry. Like, I fucked up. Like, simple. Just real simple. Yep. No excuses. No whatever, whatever. Like, I could work with that. But that has never been her go-to. That never will be her go-to. I can't imagine. It'd be like some crazy, maybe she's a car crash and, and then she thrives and totally changes. But I don't ever see that happening. Yep. My sister, who knows? She finds recovery. That might be a possibility. But her go-to, and I don't blame her at all. 
she came grew up in the same house. It wasn't the same house, but it was the same house. Her mentality is that defense mode. And every single time she has messed up our relationship. And I've gone back and forth with her too. But those really bad, bad things, she will never just take accountability for her side of the street. Yep. Okay, sorry. Those no, you're all good. Here's a funny one. Okay, yes. <laughs> side by side pictures. All right. Yep. Side by side with Napoleon Dynamite and Taylor <laughs> Swift. And I love this. Um, when you finally realize Napoleon Dynamite is actually Taylor Swift in drag. This is accurate. It like it, they have the exact same mouth <laughs> jaw drop, the same long nose, <laughs> like everything. <laughs> this is fantastic. Actually, can I? All right. So wait, just a surprise. Fun one. Sorry, you guys, for anybody who's listening, won't be able to see this picture, but I'll post it later. I promise. Yeah. Uh, so I came across this the other day and I don't know why it's so stupid. It made me literally laugh my ass off. But the if you could just describe the picture. So the meme reads, this vase has had more than enough of your shenanigans. <laughs> it looks like the, it's, the vase looks like the handles are like hands and hips. Like, mm, I'm done with this. <laughs> that's cute. Oh, that's great. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> yes, you'll have to post it because <laughs> nobody can see that. Yeah. <laughs> it is cute. Oh, I think this one's just good dad jokes, but I love it. Yep. Top part is the, the car guy selling him a car. Says. Yep, the car sales salesman's doing his pitch, and the guy who's looking says cargo space question mark, and the sales guy replies, "Car no do that, cargo mad, cargo road." <laughs> Which in this day and age, I mean, we all think what person in our in our generation didn't when we were in elementary school, we we're like, oh, in twenty twenty three. What Back will to the future. It, yeah, what will it look like? I'm pretty sure we all had cars that would I go had. into freaking outer yes. space. <laughs> and I pulled this on my 12-year-old daughter. And I'm like, cargo space? Car don't do that. Cargo road. She's like, I don't get it. <laughs> like, the car doesn't go to space. She's like, that's stupid. <laughs> Rolling. Okay, just words. Okay. If I marry someone who doesn't like sleeping with the fan on, then we'll just have to compromise and sleep with fan on. <laughs> this popped up in my memory seven years ago, Sarah. Still true to this day. I've changed it over now to a white noise machine. But yeah, we're going to compromise and I've still had my white noise machine. So whatever you want to do with that. <laughs> and no marriage. Okay. Hey, at least you're not being codependent. That's right. <laughs> this is my bed, my house. Okay, two more. All right. When you're trying, when you are typing your comment, on a random post, and then right in the middle, you realize, shit, I don't care. Yeah. I do this a lot. So like, <laughs> like, wait, who's is this thing? Why am I even? I don't care. Yep, you're going down the rabbit holes, and you find yourself sucked into something, and you start typing in a way, and you're like, wait a minute, who, what? Nope, never mind. Back wait, out. Yes. <laughs> yes, and I'll, I'll, you could probably go find it. There's maybe two or three times all of last year that I got into it, just for whatever reason. I was out of having a bad day. I know those people. I know the kids are like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and post it. And it's fine. It was fine. Last and final. All right. Here's the quote from, is that M? Yeah. M Rose. You never forget a person who came to you with a torch in the dark. Mm. Who comes um, to mind? You. First of all, Me? this is, yes, this is beautiful. I love the fact that it says torch in the dark instead of a light. Yes. 
Um, I am also a firm believer in burning the fucking bridges. Yes. Because I hate when people, I, I grew up with that, you know, don't burn bridges, don't do this, do that. No, you know what? Some of those bridges burn those motherfuckers down. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. You go build up your own over there. Yep. Build a stronger one, a better one. Mm -hmm. So yeah, no, I like the, the wording in this and it definitely actually makes me think of you because at my darkest hour, you were not only just somebody that I was able to call and I barely knew you, which is, I think what made our relationship that. that much stronger is mm -hmm. that based out of the, whatever this program of recovery is specifically at the time it was AA, mm -hmm. the principles behind it and what it, we stand for and what we were here for, you not only showed up and and gave that to me, you went above and beyond. You're like, oh, hell no. You're like, I'm going to go take care of the shit right now for you. You did the things that I literally physically could not do in the moment that I was being destroyed. Mm -hmm. And you you went above and beyond. You were my torch. No. So thank you. I forgot about that. But that's the kind of stuff I don't hesitate on. First of all, I just felt connected to you. Like we were soul sisters anyway. And when I heard what I, I know what situation you're talking about, I'm like, I remember being helpless no control and people are fucking up my life while I'm outside and how depressing that was. Well, I was like, I'm going to try to do something about this because I can and I'm going to. And yes. it felt great. So, Actions. yes. And so many people would say, you know, when I almost died, not once, not twice, not three times, they'd always say, oh, I'm going to help you more with the kids. I'm going to help you so you can go to meetings. I'm going to help you. Fuck that. One, maybe two weeks and they're back to their lives. And yep. gee, I wonder why I kept falling back into nobody really genuinely fucking cares or shows up. Yep. And this was, by the way, not recovery people. <laughs> Actions, and I preach this all the time, speak louder than words, to the point that I live my life very action oriented to make myself authentic, which back, bringing full circle here, back to those values that we ha have that we hold mm -hmm. that is one of mine mm -hmm. 100% because at the end of the day promises get broken they never get made actions are where it's at and if I, there's anything that I can do for my daughter going forward and proving anything it is through my actions and I even had a dear friend of ours <clears throat> recently say to me she's like oh I forget because we were having a deep conversation. I forget how action orientated you are because she was dealing with a crisis. And in the moment I just said, okay, but what, what can you do? Mm -hmm. Like I, I hear you and I sympathize or empathize and I, there's all this stuff going on. But at the end of the day, how can you make it that? Like, what is your next step? How can you actually move forward from here? And she's like, oh yeah. Okay. Wait, that's right. And it just gave her kind of a clean perspective or broke her from that down head. that downward sprite roll. So yes, action, action, action. I preach it all the time, and I I swear by it. I live by it. That's my values. Mm -hmm. Oh yes, and that was really what I needed. I just stopped thinking and started doing. As soon as my brain started going to the hamster wheel, do do do. Stop. Just get out of the house. Whatever it took. I want to now. Interestingly enough, I want to give a shout out to somebody before my sponsor, Marcy. Shout out to Joanne. She was my, she's in Alaska, still my life, and she is not a person in recovery. Here's what's interesting, and I forget. She was kind of my first person through some big traumas in my life. Um, when I was working at a regular professional job, she was my only person. She stuck through me through the thick of, okay, so I started this great job, right? Divorce, okay? Go through a divorce. He's with another person. So that was a hit to the, the heart. Um, 
then I found out I was pregnant with new person. So I worked there six years and freaking out. She was there. She was there through the shitstorm of my sister. And at the end of the day, she was there for me when, you know, one of the closest people, um, I will almost, he almost died in front of me. And um, I forget those traumas because I blocked it. I'm really good at moving on and, and blocking those out. But she never fucking judged me. And like you just said, she was a show up action person. And she still is today. And I just remember this key moment when my ex-husband at the time and his new girlfriend walked over to her. And this is apparently what they had been doing with everybody in my life. They're like, so you know what? why we're bringing Bridge to Cart, right? You know, like, you know what she did? She's like, no, no, no. Stop right there. Okay. I know Bridge. And they they cut her off and they're trying to talk to her again. She's like, see, this is exactly what she I feel bad for. This is what she's got to deal with. And maybe that is why she told him off. Like, maybe that's why she's having such a hard time because you guys are going around bad mouthing her and nobody will stand behind her. And she didn't even listen to the rest of their bullshit. And she walked over to me and she's like, I got you. Like, I I just got up. She was so bad for me. And I was like, oh my God, someone who actually because most people for whatever reason i'll give people grace like they're too scared to say anything or they like that juicy gossip yeah um or just don't want to cause any kind of friction you know there's a lot of things i hear you know case to case basis whether i'm gonna whatever a lot of times i just walk away too <laughs> but in that moment she stood up for me that's a, that one of those memes i've seen where your true friends are the ones who are hearing things about you and will stand up for you when you're not even there that's true. So shout out to Joanne. She's the godmother to my two youngest boys. And I tell you, it's really hard not to run to live in Alaska when I visit <laughs> her there. Because I would. But, you know, my older kids would be like, yeah, leave our dad. But, like, she is what that one person who is an ally who's just authentically been, like, a soul. Like, for me, she's, like, that soul, like, best aunt I wish I would have had or something. Like, she's just wonderful. And at her, like, see, she's, I believe she's just turned 60. You would never guess it, though. I hope to look as good and be, actually, basically, she is. She just played hockey and she does hiking and bears. She's amazing. And she's definitely somebody, a role model, but she is one of those authentic people that you don't even have to be in recovery or go through a shift. So now she's probably had a life, you know, but she's authentic and she's she stands by her word and she, I love her unconditionally. Yes. Oh. You get to make your own family recovery. Yes, you do. And I'm a, I'm also a firm believer in that. Mm -hmm. You you would love her, by the way. Uh, I think I would. Mm -hmm. Yes. And well, you know, downstairs where I have my little bedroom living area, <clears throat> I even have a sign that I don't know how, if you've ever even noticed it down there or not, but it's a little wooden sign. It says sisters, not sisters by blood, but, but sisters by heart. And mm -hmm. I think that means a lot more. Especially just because I, yeah, I was, I struggle with that whole family blood relationship, the expectations versus reality shit, mm -hmm. but you know what? I can follow my heart and it found my perfect true sister. 100%. Yeah. Blood don't mean nothing when it comes to like, and that's where I think the biggest struggle is a lot of people have a hard time letting go because of, but you can't do that to your family. Well, if your family has been the biggest reason. You know, not all, but I'm just saying, like, you had a lot of shitty people that are always been shitty. They never want to support you or celebrate you. You don't have to bring them along with you, period. And then you get to meet people like Sarah <laughs> <laughs> and be new family members. Okay. Shut it down. Thank you, everybody. That was, I hope, a lot of good information. I'll post more links when I get home tonight. Oh, let's see if there's any last comments. Nope. Oh, Jesse said, 
Good job, ladies. Have a great rest of your night. Thanks, Jesse. Thank you. All right, everybody. Hope you have a great week, and I will catch you next week. Good night. Oh, I always want to forget the song. The song is my go-to when I'm re-listening to this podcast. I do at least listen to it once or twice, and it reminds me. Oh, we're at the end. Okay, pay attention. Now you got to listen to it again.